Chris, I think over the next two days, the smart thing for us to do to preserve, number one, sanity, number two, to preserve just being (laughs) repetitive, at the air of being repetitive, I think a good place to go over these next couple of days on Thursday and Friday into a Steelers bye week is to let the asylum run the show, is to let the fans and the good people that tune in Every Monday through Friday from 3 to 3.30 here on the South Side Beat, let them handle the show. Meaning, we are taking questions for 30 straight minutes for as long (laughs) as we need to, today and tomorrow. And that's going to be really the focal point. Chris and I are here for you, and we want to know what your thoughts are on the start to the Steelers season and what your questions are about this team going into the second half as Chris Halleck joins me, Corey Christen, for another Thursday edition of the Southside Beat here on this October 12th, 2023. What's on your mind, Chris? Well, uh, I do know uh, that we, uh, uh, I do have a piece coming out later today on uh, Deontay Johnson uh, and what his return will do for this offense. Not that it'll be, um, not that that's all that's been missing. <laughs> this isn't one, sure. this isn't a team that's one player away from all of a sudden becoming a formidable first place team. Um, but that'll certainly help things and it'll, it'll go into a little bit, bit more detail, but, uh, obviously, you know, the, the bye week is a, is a good time, not only for, uh, obviously the players and the coaches to get a break, um, but also for, um, for media to get a break, you know, to, to get a, you know, a bit of a breather, you know, it's, uh, Corey can attest to this, you know, not only being on, on, on a pit beat before, but also being on the Steelers beat now, um, it's it's grueling being there every single day, um, especially be. especially whenever your real only off days, like true off days, are you know when the Steelers are on the road, you're also traveling. So uh, it, it's it's pretty. It, it, I mean, I think I think it's pretty safe to say that like last year during the season, I was working between 70, 70 to eighty hours a week. Uh, during the season, so uh, it, it's 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 the bye week presents an opportunity for for even like reporters and stuff like that to take a a bit of a breather too. So obviously we have to keep track of stuff, keep track of news, we have to keep content you know pumping out. Yeah. Um, but it's still you know not having to go to the south side for multiple days in a row is is a nice breather. It lightens things up, that's for sure. Yeah. Now me having to do pit, I was on the south side today. Uh, just getting Pat Narduzzi and talking mm-hmm. to him about because Pitt plays Louisville Saturday and I will be there for that. So yeah, get to focus on the college coverage a little bit. And it's not like anything's slowing down for Pitt either. They were on their bye week last week, but yeah, they made a quarterback change. So even in that kind of case, things don't necessarily slow down or stop. <laughs> right. As Chris and I mentioned at the start of the show, today is going to be today's going to run as long as you all want it to. You know, right now I see 51 live viewers, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And this is the, really the time to start asking questions. This oh, yeah. is the time, like Ryan brings to the table. Do you think the Steelers make any moves prior to the trade deadline? That's a question we could get into. That's a topic we can get into. If you bring a show topic, we'll address it. This is the time to do it between today and tomorrow's shows. So yep. consider this part one, if you will, of the fan forum along that line. <laughs> uh, Ryan asks, again, do you think the Steelers make any moves prior to the NFL trade deadline? Now, that's hard to say because, you know, we're still a ways away, right? And the Steelers have a bye week to 
essentially sort a lot out. And, and that's really what this is for as far as the coaching staff is concerned. But the front office surely is looking as well to see, can they make upgrades? Can they move some pieces around? I mean, think mm-hmm. of the Chase Claypool trade last year yep. and, and how that came to be. And yep. look, when you're a team that's three and two and you've played more like a one and four or a two and three team in some cases, you know, it, everything needs to be on the table. So if they make a move, Chris, mm-hmm. let's say just for the sake of conversation on a bye week Thursday, for the sake of conversation that the Steelers make one trade in this season, mid-season, to address something, where do you think it comes from or at? Well, I mean, as of right now, I would still probably say the weakest part of the team would be either cornerback or center. Now, I am not one to 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 just, you know, let's bench Mason Cole, but five games is a large enough sample size to be like, okay, there's concern there, like when it comes to Mason Cole. Um, the, the one thing about cornerback is you have Joey Porter Jr. waiting in the wings, pretty much knocking the door down to get, starting time to, or to get one of the starting jobs. So kind of reinforcements on the way, but it would be really, really nice to see the Steelers really, really strengthen that room, you know, by going and getting a, a, a good cornerback. Um, no, I don't think the Steelers need to do like a Minka type trade, like trade away a first round pick to get, you know, a, a high, you know, marquee player or anything like that. But, if they can possibly upgrade center a bit, give up like a third round pick, I'm all for that. I'd say even to get a second round, or give up a second round pick if you can get a really good center, um, somebody to really anchor that offensive line, or um, you know to get a quality cornerback that can kind of you know complement. But then again, you know Joey Porter Jr., Desmond King, there are there are options internally, but. Um, just about everywhere else, I think it's just more about – I don't think it's about necessarily the, the personnel that they have. It's more about coaching and just execution of concepts as well. So if I had to pick a position, I'm going to go a little bit out in left field. I don't think it would behoove the Steelers to go after a nose tackle at all. No. Now, bringing Cam Hayward back out of, you know, from his injury when he comes back, we're thinking week eight-ish, week nine-ish for him to be out. Um. Can you imagine, like, I was watching that, when I was watching that Ravens-Steelers game in the stadium, you look at the Ravens, and they have Michael Pierce, who I just looked at what he's listed, six foot three forty-five. That's Casey Hampton size. The Steelers don't have Casey Hampton size up the middle if they want a true nose tackle. And you and I have sat here for weeks talking about Braden Fajoko and Montrevis Adams and Armand Watts, and none of those guys, not that they've played terribly, but this could be a true upgrade as far as do I just hit my microphone like that. Apparently <laughs> swap the mic out of nowhere, but the Steelers don't have a Casey Hampton. They haven't had a Casey Hampton since Casey Hampton left. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be wise to at least shop the nose tackle market to see, because think of it this way. If you bring in a fresh nose tackle, an upgraded nose tackle, then you bring Cam Hayward back from injury and you still have Larry O you still have, um, Keanu Benton, obviously on the D line, somebody asked about 
uh, let me scroll up and find it here. Eric asks about DeMarvin Leal and Loudermilk. It looks like they haven't made strides. Well, Leal's been hurt since training yeah. camp. Like, he hurt, he hurt his leg in training camp. He's been slow. He had a bad camp to begin with. And then he, he's been through the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. And Loudermilk just hasn't made the development strides that they wanted him to make. Like, they mm-hmm. like him as an end-of-bench depth piece for the defensive line. But I think that's a really big spot that the Steelers could upgrade is the interior of that. Yeah. Uh, Swan269 asks, if you could take away one play and add one play to the playbook, what would you do? Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and link two questions together here. Because um, Hodge3115 asks, has Canada realized the jet sweep isn't a great play? I know he called one for GP Sunday. I'm just hoping he doesn't try it every possession again with DJ and McFarlane returning. Now, I could try to pull it up just so I could give you the numbers, but the jet sweep was not as bad of a play as you thought. I promise you it's not. Um, at least it wasn't last year. I haven't done the numbers this year, but it's a five-game sample size. Jet sweeps were not as bad as they thought, and the numbers just back it up. They just do. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they've been called in bad spots. They absolutely have been called in bad spots. Uh, your first run of the season should not have been a jet sweep, period. Like That, that can't be your first run of the season. Um, so... But when it comes to adding a play, there was actually a play, and I highlighted it um, in uh, one of the one of the chalk talks or breakdowns that I did earlier this season. Uh, it was a Kyle Shanahan play. Um, he had, it was the 49ers down in the red zone, and only two routes out. It was a double post, uh, but the receivers uh, switched at the release. And so because of that and because the, the outside receiver actually broke inside to manipulate the safety uh, when the Steelers were in cover two, um, manipulated that, that, that safety that's on the right side, um, it was just, it's just a perfectly executed double post because you are somehow get two safeties to go over to one side of the field if it's run properly, like if the route's executed properly. And then that second post that's coming in, is just one-on-one coverage, and he already has inside leverage on the corner. It's just a perfectly executed route. I would totally steal that right from Kyle Shanahan and put that in the playbook. It's just a masterful play and one that throws off a defense because how often do teams go out and run only two routes? Right, right. Uh, (laughs) Lyle asks, what fingers did TJ hurt and how bad? Now, a report came out from the NFL Network a couple of days ago that TJ Watt badly dislocated fingers on – uh, one of his hands mm. and had to pop them back into place in order to finish the Ravens Dude. game, which is so on brand for TJ Watt. Yeah. So badly dislocated is the answer to how bad they never disclose like what specific fingers though. Um, you can but probably it sounds go like back and look at pictures and see like where it's like yeah. taped together and stuff like that. Okay. Swan asks and a reminder folks, we're taking questions all show. So today, tomorrow, these next couple of shows here, are really the time to pipe in whatever you want to know about the Steelers or anything that you might have to bring to the table. Swan asks, if you could have anyone be the new offensive coordinator, who who would you take? They could be on the team or not. Now, I saw a uh, fellow P- uh, Steelers beat reporter, if you will, uh, float around in one of their, kind of like a live cues type of thing, that John Gruden would be one for Steelers OC. Now, if I John have to go or with Jay? John, 
John, John. Now, if I had to go a different route, I think you have to look, number one, at the 49ers staff, number two at the Lions staff, number three at the Chiefs staff. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's there's merit to plucking from really solid systems and really solid franchises. Like, there's a reason why the 49ers win, and then those coaches go and win elsewhere, like D'Amico Ryans. There's reasons why, like, these guys are put into place to succeed. Like, you're seeing it with Bobby Slowick you know, who came from Arizona, but Bobby Slow or, or who came from the 49ers rather, but Bo- Bobby Slowick like had all of this development stuff with Brock Purdy and you see pattern development with Brock Purdy. And now he's turning CJ Stroud into a, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, arguably up the list. So you have to look at what coaching staffs are succeeding with these offenses in the NFL. To me, you look at the 49ers, the chiefs and the lions right now, because the Lions system Look what it's done for Jared Goff. Look what it's done for David Montgomery. Look what it's done for Amon Ross St. Brown. Look what it's done for Sam Laporta. All of these one-time, I don't want to say no-name guys, but guys that you wouldn't think would just be stars in this league. And that Lions offense looks really damn good right now. So that's where I would go. I don't have a specific name, but those are the coaching staffs I would look towards. Yep. Uh, just to circle back, I, I dropped a link in the chat if you want to read the breakdown that I had on the jet sweeps from last year. But I'll go ahead and just give you the the, the total number. 37 jet sweeps last year okay, for a total of 222 yards, which for quick math, that's six yards a carry. Okay. Six, six yards a carry. I mean <laughs> – Denver's ball boys, OC, man. <laughs> Bro, man, from the fifth floor. That's hey, man. Something. Dude, Mike McDaniel, man. Todd Haley. Todd Haley. BS says Tom Haley. Yeah, John's currently a consultant for the Saints. So he is back. Listen, there's a Ken Wisenhunt drop. So, no. you know, whoever, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, but listen, listen, like when, when it comes to Todd Haley, like I'm not, I'm not saying that he's like this, you know, savant or anything like that, but that, that offense, now granted, Really great players. I'm not taking. I, I'm not giving Todd Haley too much credit here. You had Ben Roethlisberger still playing at a very, very high level. You had Antonio Brown, best receiver in the league at the time. Le'Veon Bell, top three running back at the time. Solid offensive line. Heath Miller at tight end. Like, I'm like great players on that offense. That was still a phenomenal offense. It wasn't just players. Um, yeah, Ben and Todd Haley didn't get along. Obviously, that's the reason why that you know ended. But Still, I think Todd Haley would be an upgrade over Matt Canada right now. Crystal asks, I was wondering, do you think Kenny is a detriment to Najee? I was recently watching how Ben sent Najee up in uh, better situations on the field. Kenny seems to avoid Najee on the pass compared to Warren. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily a direct correlation because Najee's not going to be the primary target on those routes. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, he's there as a safety valve, as a check down. But when Najee's in, and this goes back to talking about how Matt Canada has a really bad habit of telegraphing what's going on. If Najee's in, they're more prone to run. If Jalen's in, they're more prone to pass. And it's starting to become obvious to opposing defenses. So it's not not necessarily that Kenny's ignoring Najee or, or if Najee's causing Kenny problems or anything like that. I think they have a good relationship. I just think that this is a product of, this offense, if Najee's on the field, he's probably not going out for a route. He's either running the football or blocking. Yeah. Uh, Anthony brings up the fact I saw plays where a receiver went in motion, but the defense doesn't bite and one defender comes through. 
Uh, I don't think defenses fear the jet sweep. I don't necessarily think that defenses fear jet sweeps. I, I don't think jet sweeps are meant to be like a home run play. I just think it's supposed to be a uh, a wrinkle. It's supposed to be something that 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 helps accent the the running game. It should not be the primary driver of the running game. Um, I mean, again, when you look at 37 jet sweeps last year compared to however many carries over the course of the season, that's a very that's a small percentage, you know. Um, but Gotta also motion is motion motion is also used pre-snap to help the quarterback uh, determine what kind of coverage the defense is into. So it's not only about trying to uh, get the defense to bite on anything. It's it's about, you know, motion can help do anything. It can help. OK, it's man, it's zone. Uh, it, it can also have a reverse effect if they're in man and you bring a guy in motion and brings a guy into the box and you're about to run a running play you're just bringing another guy into the box. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe do a little bit of motion beforehand to know, okay, they're in man. I'm not sending a guy in motion because we need to keep as many guys out of the box as possible. So, you know, I don't know. All right. Swan asked, does Dan Moore move to the right tackle or ride the bench when he returns? I think he rides the bench. I, I don't think there's any reason to move Chooks off a of right tackle and still until he starts becoming a legitimate turnstile over there. I don't think there's a reason to move. Him hasn't off been that good either though. No, he hasn't, but Dan Moore hasn't been good at left tackle either. No, so no. what do you, you pick your poison on that one? I suppose no, it would be, I mean, no, my, my, my initial, as of right now, my initial, like if I'm Mike Tomlin and I'm making the decision, Roderick Jones is playing, is starting left tackle. Shooks is right tackle. Dan Moore is the swing tackle. I think that's what we talked about even preseason, like before even training camp, like, if sure. Broderick Jones ever becomes the, the the starter at left tackle, like that's the way it's going to pan out, that Dan Moore would then become the swing tackle. However, with Chooks playing pretty poorly, I'd say for the most part, he's had some good moments. He's been better than de definitely better than Dan Moore has on the left side. But if Chooks can't find any kind of consistency, I wouldn't mind kind of experimenting. Like, okay, let's put Dan Moore out there for a series at right tackle. Let's see what happens. Sure. You know, and just to kind of, you know, kind of challenge the guy a bit. See if it works too. You never know what's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben asks, is Corey Trice around the building? Is he following the same way Calvin did last year? Yes, he is. Yes, he has. He is around. And in fact, he is off of crutches by this point with his torn ACL. So positive sign uh, coming from uh, one Corey Trice. Jennifer asks, why do you think the Steelers promote from within instead of getting coordinators from successful units? Will we ever see a high powered offense? And I think the basic way to answer this, Chris, is this is just what they've always done. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there are very, very few instances where they have gone out and, and hired uh, offensive coordinators uh, or, or any kind of coaches. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it just it's just the way the Steelers operate. I, I don't there's. The, the the answer is 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 not an answer you want to hear. The Steelers promote from within because that's just what the Steelers do, and that's just that's just the way it is across the board when it comes to this organization. It's the way they operate. It's the Steelers' way. Um, I I I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it. I don't necessarily completely one hundred percent agree with it. I respect the fact, and I've you know said this a couple times this week, but I respect the fact that the organization doesn't flap in the wind. That that they don't just make decisions willy nilly and they start going through coaches every single year and everything like that, because that shows dysfunction 
that shows like no commitment whatsoever. The moment you start failing, you are bye, the Cleveland so Browns. Yeah, you turn into the Cleveland Browns. You are the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So yeah, there there is absolutely reason for just because the going gets tough for a little bit doesn't mean you just okay you pull the plug and that's it. But in the instance of like okay, when people are mad about Matt Canada still being the offensive coordinator. It's only because his first two years as OC were so bad. And there were very little signs other than the run game improving last year that this offense was really, really going to become a legitimate unit. Now, you made a lot of personnel changes on the field. And here we are, five games in, the offense is still anemic. So I'm going to link two questions in here real quick. So Kane asked Kevin O'Connell, of course, the head coach of the Vikings or Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns. What do you think for offensive coordinator? And that kind of ties into what Eric asks. Is there any way you see Matt Canada stepping down at the end of the season instead of getting fired? Seem more likely how it would happen. Canada's contracts up after the end of this year. So So to link those two up. Okay. Let's say Kevin O'Connell, who the Vikings are in the tank right now, like, Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Justin Jefferson's going to be out for a long time. Could just sit him the rest of the year. Like Minnesota's burning down right now with all of that. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski, if the Browns underachieve again and Deshaun Watson continues to stink and all this other stuff happens, I don't know if he gets fired because you could always look and say, well, Nick Chubb is out for yeah. the season. They were yeah. they went they went 15 weeks without Nick Chubb. Yeah. So I don't know if Kevin Stefanski gets fired. But the question of Matt Canada, look. If they're deficient and they're the, the 30th ranked offense for the rest of the year, like they are right now, there's no shot in, in, in the hottest corner of hell they renew that contract. They better not, or else a lot of people will be upset. Well, they, 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 they've got, they've got like serious questions to answer at that point because, yes. you know, I, I mean, I mean, when we sat down, whenever I was in the room with Art Rooney the second in January and, it when when it came down to brass tacks and it was like, what's the improvement that this offense needs to make? And he said, score more points. Well, right now this offense is not doing that. They are not scoring more points. In fact, they're scoring even less points than they did last year. So if that goal is not achieved, and they give Matt Canada a new contract, whoever is in that room with Art Rooney the second next January will be like, should be like, listen. You said last year that this offense needed to score more points. Your offense scored even less points than they did the year before, and you brought the same guy back. Why? That's when we start doing our jobs. Yeah, I know <laughs> because I mean that's that's ultimately what what it comes down to. Now you don't ask it in that way. No, you do it you, more you eloquently. Do it diplomat- yeah, diplomatically than, than right. that. But but that is essentially the the that's a legitimate question because. Yeah, we've got, I've gone through it enough. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, Randy asks, I know Gunner was returning kicks due to Calvin Austin to be in the concussion protocol, but why not Desmond King? Here's the best answer I could give to that, okay? <laughs> they have been bringing Desmond King along to play cornerback into, into kick return, right? He can return kicks. Yeah. However, I think what gets lost sometimes, Chris, is that these kick returners and punt returners have to learn a lot about kick returning and punt returning. Meaning, not just catching the football, that's one thing, and and that's a thing in and of itself. But it's where the blockers are going to be, what the design of the punt return or the kick return is. So having Desmond King learn the defensive playbook and then Danny Smith's special teams playbook, if you listen carefully to what Miles Kilbrew said about the block punt from Sunday, he was going to talk about scheme and like 
Why mm-hmm. did I rush that gap? And why did I cut that corner? And why did I chip that guy? There's so much more that goes into a single special teams play than I think people realize. And maybe Desmond King's just not caught up to speed quite yet on the special teams portion of it. Yep. Um, Beefle actually uh, brings up a point to go back. I'm not actually worried about Canada at the end of the year. His contract will be up. Tomlin, on the other hand. Now, this is like another topic that, you know, we'll have Steelers fans, you know, talking quite a bit because Tomlin's contract is up at the end of next year, not the end of this year, but the end of next year. And so, obviously, we know the history when it comes to the Steelers and head coaches. <laughs> I mean, three head coaches since, what, 69, whenever, whenever Chuck mm-hmm. Noll became the coach. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact year, but a long, long time. I mean, well before I was born, three coaches in that amount of time. Like, it just, it, again, I, I really feel like that this season really has to be some sort of monumental collapse like they're three and two right now like they finish three and 14 or four and 13 something like that in order for art rooney the second to even think about not renewing mike tomlin's contract yeah um because this this offseason is the one where you would have to like this is this is the offseason. This is when they would normally, you know, give him an extension and everything like that. And he stays the coach. And really just based off of precedent, based off of his success, based off of his overall record as a coach, he's going to get another extension. It's going to be his job until he until he loses it or until he doesn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way it is. Now, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. There is absolutely. um merit to the argument that listen it really is a what have you done for me lately business and mike tomlin it's been quite a while since this team has really done anything really considering like okay this has been a legitimate super bowl contending team 2017 was the last year i would really consider this team to be a legitimate super bowl contender and the only reason that didn't really come to fruition is because ryan shazier suffered his career ending injury um But outside of that, yeah, this that's been like the one team, like since they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Packers, at, at one team in that amount of time. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, is not enough. Let's take two more before we sign out here on Thursday, and we'll we'll have a whole other show tomorrow, same time, same place, to take more of your questions on the Steelers and the NFL and and business, sports writing, anything you want to ask us, we're, we're on the table for it. Alan asks, could there be an ego conflict hiring an ex-coach as an offensive coordinator? At this stage, Chris, I don't think Mike Tomlin, I'm not going to say he's not going to have an ego about it because I don't know the brain of Mike Tomlin. Yeah, you're, you're kind of making assumptions at that point. But I will say this. I think that they, at the end of the day, have to find the best man that could get the best out of Kenny Pickett. At this point, if you're hiring an offensive coordinator, now keep in mind, Matt Canada was hired in the final year of Ben Roethlisberger. So, yes, there was a relationship between Canada and Roethlisberger. Yes, there was a relationship between Tomlin and Canada. And it made sense at the time to promote Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to excuse the fact that it was inexcusable to bring Matt Canada back as the offensive coordinator for this season. However, I I will give Matt Canada this one. If you have a rookie quarterback and he's changing offense from year one to year two, you're not doing him any favors. You're just not. Now. 
Canada's contract being up at the end of this year, when Pickett has a little bit more grasp of game sense and just playing quarterback as an NFL player, then you can make the call to say, okay, we got to look at what's going to bring the best out of this guy. At yeah. the end of the day, regard I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's John Gruden, Kevin Stefanski, Kevin O'Connell, Chris's wife, my girlfriend. I don't <laughs> care who does it. As long as they could get the best out of Kenny Pickett, that is what the Steelers have to do when they search for the next offensive coordinator. Three years. Give a quarterback three years. Yes. Now, two of those years are going to be spent under Matt Canada. Um, third year, he, regardless of performance, regardless of everything else, regardless of what the, the shackles or whatever we want to talk about Kenny Pickett having, he will have seen enough of NFL defenses have gone through enough reps and running a certain offense for two years. Probably never, Robert. Sorry. Probably never. <laughs> um, the day Matt Canada comes on this podcast, probably never. man. Probably Good never. luck. Good the, luck. The, okay. Cam Hayward plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. So try getting him, getting anybody on his podcast is, um, a little bit easier to do. <laughs> Can the but, playbook um, be left at a dealership in Monroe? Goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, Some, let me clarify yeah. this real quick, AJ. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett should pick the OC. That's not what no, I'm saying. No. What I'm saying is, is Omar Khan, the Rudy family, Mike Tomlin, those three parties have to come together, determine what is the best route for Kenny Pickett. Do they promote... Mike Sullivan, probably not. Do they promote Glenn Thomas? Probably not. You have to look at Kenny Pickett and what he has done well. This is I'm looking forward to the end of the season right here. Yeah. If Kenny Pickett puts a body of work together in year two this year, and you look at his body of work from year one and his growth into year two, and you think of a plan and you think of a trajectory for Kenny Pickett, this is all about Kenny Pickett. It should be. You have to look yeah. at the candidates, at the list of available people that you could bring in to replace Matt Canada as an offensive coordinator for the time that is going to get the best out of Kenny Pickett. That's what this is all about. George yeah. Pickens will fall in line. Deontay Johnson will fall in line. Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, etc. Broderick Jones, Sayo Malo, all of them will fall in line in order, in succession. But tip top of the list is Kenny Pickett. You have to get the best out of Kenny Pickett, no, no matter what it is, who you bring in as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Final question from Juan. As beat writers, do you have a pulse on how Kenny Pickett and George Pickett's relationship are as teammates? They're friends. Like, I, I believe they have a pretty good relationship off yeah. the field. There's no indication that that would suggest otherwise. Yeah. I'm not saying they're besties and they go hang out everywhere. In fact, I think that's more, <laughs> I think that's more Kenny and, uh, Mitch Trubisky, I think they're closer friends. No, Kenny and Mitch just are about anybody else. Buddies. Um, I remember there was an interview that George Pickens did with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show, and like you know, they were talking about bonding and training camp and everything. And Rich said something about like going to the movies with Kenny, and George was like, "That's my quarterback, not my boyfriend." Like <laughs> something like that. But like, yeah, I mean, they're 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 together. They're close. Joe Joe is spinning the conspiracy engine. Why do I feel like Mark Whipple See, would Mark be a Whipple good fit for Kenny Pickett? It, it's like a ghost, man. It always follows around. The ghost of Mark Whipple always follows around. Yeah. Uh, Chris, good stuff today, of course. Cliff yeah. Kingsbury, OC. You never know. You never know. Good stuff today, Chris. Yeah. Uh, we will do more questions again tomorrow live. Yeah. This was great. And for those that missed today, um, that's a heck of a name.
Barber says Antoine Randall L. And look what he's doing with the Lions right now as a, as a position coach. <laughs> hey. You never know. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know what's in the minds of the Rudys yeah. and Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin. We, we yeah. don't know what's in the minds of them right now. But yeah. no matter what, my, my final thought for the day, no matter what, they need to try to take as, as much advantage of Kenny Pickett's rookie contract as possible. And like this is year two right now. You'll have three years left uh, after this year. That is the length of an OC of a coordinator contract. The Steelers give Steelers always give coordinators three-year contracts that. So you're talking about whoever the next offensive coordinator is, whoever is under that three-year contract that will run till the end of Kenny Pickett's rookie contract. So whoever it is that takes that mantle, whether Matt Canada stays on (laughs) just to give everybody a quick little nightmare or whether it is somebody else, they need to take, make sure that it's the right guy to take advantage of that rookie contract because it's not very often that teams get an opportunity to try to compete while their while their quarterback is on a rookie contract, especially if he can contribute to a possible winner. Uh, Mr. Dick and Ty, we're, we're adhering to time solely for the sake of consistency. So we'll take, we'll keep it to about 35, maybe 40 minutes tomorrow. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. But of course, we're going to rely on you all tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we could do it. We could plan a show, but what we want to do is to make sure that you all have the form, the, the loyal listeners, those that come in here every day and bring it. We want to make sure that you're bringing it tomorrow on Friday on this bye week because this will be the, the the best chance that you have at getting any question you want answered, whether it's about the Steelers or about DKPS in general or about sports reporting or about – you know, what dinner I'm making tonight. The answer is going to be pasta, I think. Um, we're here for it. So we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll do Q&A tomorrow for 35, however long it is, minutes. And Chris and I are all here for it. So that's my final thought in, in one nutshell. Uh, please remember to like, share, subscribe. That goes a very long way. And, and those that are asking about the the uh, Southside Beat baseball hats and the, and the emojis <laughs> and everything for chat, yeah, that's how you get them. You have to subscribe. You have to share. Tell the. Let's put like an SSB in front of this Brooklyn logo. No, right just put there. the the logo. Yeah. This logo right here. I'll just put it right here. Yeah. Um, this is the hat for my cousin's ice cream shop. So I will not put it on this hat, but I'll put it on a different hat. <laughs> um, please like this. Sh- please like this episode. Please share the episode. Please tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. That's how this show grows. This show grows through you all, not from us sitting here. We're just doing the best we can out here to give you the best content we can surrounding your favorite football team. And, and trust me, we appreciate all the word spread and, and all of the love that you share with us. Um, no Ramon Foster show today. I don't think there's one tomorrow either. So um, this is your best shot. Get in here and, and let's make it yeah. happen. So we'll talk to you tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, as we always do at DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube and later where podcasts are found. He's Chris. I'm Corey. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Cheers.